Good morning. Great to see you. Again, take a notice around. We have those who aren't doing well health-wise. Um, got some people gone, so do reach out to them and let them know that we miss them. But i got to say this before I get too far. Happy Dad's Day, guys. So uh, it's good to... I noticed Ben was smiling a little more than normal since we had some kids, and he has some in-laws and some outlaws that showed up. So anyway, no, it's it's uh, great that we can be together, and God is a great and awesome God, and His Son, our Savior, I don't know of anyone I'd rather talk about than Him, and it's kind of interesting here in Colossians chapter 1, even last week, moving into this week and in the weeks to come in this text, it's going to talk about Jesus, 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 and uh, that's important. I mean, we wear his name, Christian. We wear the name of Christ, and we think about that. We're members of the Church of Christ, and uh, all that is because of what the Bible says and teaches us. So we're going to look here a little bit. I think there's some interesting words in this text as we're going to uh, go from about verse 15 through 18 or so today. Because I know if I tried to cover this whole context, no telling when you would get out of here. It might be 4th of July. It might go from one holiday to another. So we didn't do that. But listen as we think about even back up from last week. He rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So God rescued us and he's going to talk all about his son now. And that's where forgiveness of sin is in his son. Can't be found anywhere else. There's no one else that can offer it. It's in his son. And we look, and I think the first phrase of verse 15 is kind of interesting when I read it the way I think, which isn't always proper. But he says, he's the image of the invisible God. Well, if you're the image of something invisible, wouldn't you be invisible? Well, that's not what it says, but that would logically make sense. It shows you that logic doesn't always make sense scripturally. But you think about Jesus on more than one occasion. He says, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Well, I think about a few passages. It says we can't see the Father. But when you see Jesus, you've seen the perfect physical representation of God the Father. And you and I seek to be the best representation of the Son that we can possibly be which ultimately ends up being a very good representation or should be of the Father. So we're going to look at a few verses here today about he is the image of the invisible Father. Turn with me over to John chapter 1 real quick. John chapter 1, and go right down to uh, verse 18. Now this is interesting because Jesus says that I am this image of the invisible God. And in verse 18, it says, no one has seen God at any time. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. You want to know who God the Father is? You can't get a better picture than Jesus. Jesus left heaven, came to this earth. He's the only begotten. He represents him perfectly. Now, when it says he can't see God, it's kind of interesting. People have a certain amount of knowledge of God's word. They always want to say, well, what about in Exodus 33 with Moses? 
Well, if we had time, we'd back up and go down from verse 17 on. God even tells him, you can't see me. I'm going to put my hand in front of you so you can't see me. And then he even says after he passed by, he saw his back. Well, let's say, you guys ever been to a professional sports game and set in the nosebleed section? Let's say you're at a baseball game and you're in the top row of Bush Stadium. When he throws that pitch, I want you to tell me whether he threw a slider, a curveball, or a fastball. He threw a ball, and I can't even see the ball. I can just hear it hit the glove and see what the umpire had to say. So you kind of saw it, but you didn't really see it. Hmm. There's lots of reasons you can't see God the Father. One thing is because you weren't made with the capability to do so. See, we're in a physical body with physical eyes that can't see spiritual things. So we don't live and keep focused on the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. Because the things which are seen are temporary. How temporary is God? And really, that was stupid to use it in the same sentence, wasn't it? He's eternal. He's spiritual. So we focus on things which are not seen because they're eternal. So 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. So Christianity, even though there's much, much physical evidence for God and for Christianity and historically reliable documents that tell about Jesus and a lot of things that happened around Jesus and the church of the first century, you know, it finally goes from physical evidence to faith. I think about things, you know, I say, say things like this. This month more, maybe more than others. Hadn't rained here for a while, but if it rains today, I hope God has enough sunshine that we get a rainbow so I can make a comment about what a rainbow's really about to a bunch of people that don't have a clue. But you know what? Here's how I see it. If you see a rainbow and you don't see God, you're blind. Now, can you literally see God? No. So even when it says Moses saw him or so. Wow. Now, obviously, he was in the presence of God when he came down off that mountain. Was he changed? That boy was lit up and not in a bad way. He was illuminated. You could see that. Wow. But I think about this. So God says, I need to send because there's going to be some people that are slow as Kindle Fox. I need to send a physical representation of me to the earth. And that's my only begotten son. So he is the image of the invisible God. He's made in his likeness. Turn with me over to uh, Philippians chapter 2. I got so many passages I'd like to talk on today. I'll try to get through the text I said here. But Philippians chapter 2, we'll just go to 5, 6, and 7 for time's sake. He says, have this attitude, or your translation might say mind, in yourself, which is also in Christ Jesus. Listen to this who although existed in the form of God. Was there a time before Jesus was born in Bethlehem that he was totally eternal and non-physical? He was as invisible as God. Okay? He existed in the form of God, and he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. Not only did Jesus not do that, the they knew... If we keep this all in the spirit, I need Jesus to come here and live a life so I know how to live. 
So Hebrews 4 and verse 15, he was tempted in all ways as we are. He's different than us because yet he never sinned. But you can see how Jesus, when someone close to him died named Lazarus, did he cry? You can see Jesus is real when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. Is he struggling with the cost of not his sin but our sins? He's real. He's physical. He got hungry, right? He got tired. Sometimes he got tired of people. You see, often you'd see he gets up early in the morning because most people are lazy and don't get up early in the morning. So he got up early in the morning and went off by himself. I got to get away from these people. I got to have some way of dealing with the stress. Jesus practiced stress management. See that? You know the best way to handle stress management? The same way Jesus did. He went off by himself and he prayed. Take it to the Father. Oh, I won't preach that lesson today. But go on to verse 7. But he emptied himself. That means he laid aside this miraculous who he was eternally. He emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. Now, that's amazing, and we'll hit some of this a little bit here in a little while. But you do understand that's the creator becoming the created. You became what you made. Wow, that's really stepping down a few notches in the ladder, huh? A few rungs on that ladder. So I think about that. If you go back to Colossians chapter 1 talking about Jesus, so if you want to see God the Father, you need to probably spend some time reading these books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay? If you don't read those books, you don't really know who God the Father is because you don't know who the Son is. And if you don't know the Son, you can't know the Father. And let me tell you what, if you don't have the Son, you can't get to the Father. He sent the Son here in a physical body to live on this earth so we would know how God would function here. And we would have a physical example of godliness. I'm about to get ahead of myself on some things because there's a lot here. But you look here in verse 16, For by him all things were created. says, in the beginning, God created the heaven. Jesus is God. He's not just the son of God. He is God. And if we really understood what the statement son of God means, we would understand he's God. I could talk about, since Ben's son and daughter are here, I could talk about who they are. And... You know, especially with his son. Sorry, the daughter gave up the name. But anyway, <clears throat> I can talk about Mr. Justice. And although Wade's going to say he's Mr. Justice. I'm, but if you look at that, in some situations you are too. God. They're the only eternal divine being, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. We see in, the, in creation when God says, let us... Make man in our plurality, a single God who's a plurality of beings. That's amazing, isn't it? But while we do that, turn with me over to John 1. I love this passage, John 1. So always think about that. Years ago, when I preached in Kingman, Kansas, we had services kind of like us. We had a Bible class, a worship, we had a meal together. And then I had a really short sermon on Sunday afternoons because we did a thing called Bible drill first. 
And Chester James, who later was one of the elders there, uh, he would get up and ask questions. So he might ask the kids. So this is how Bible drill went. So all the kids would come up towards the front. He'd ask them questions. Now here's where it got tough, though. The kids were allowed to bring a question, and they could ask any adult they wanted to bring. So you better be on your toes now, because they come up with some good ones. Like, oh, man, what in the world? But what if he asked a question, who created the heavens and the earth? If they said God, would they be correct? What about if they said Jesus, would they be correct? There's more than one correct answer. Well, there's really just one correct answer, but look with me in John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's hard to wrap your head around, isn't it? Now, if you take time, and we're not going to go through this whole thing, but in verse 14, he explains who the Word is, doesn't he? The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw it. He's talking about Jesus. But back up in verse 2, it says, He was in the beginning with God. Is Jesus God? Yes. Is he with God? Yes. That's confusing to our physical comprehension here. All things came into being through him, this word, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. So you look at this, and we go back to Colossians. So he hit this in the early in the gospel of John, and now he's going to let him know in Colossae again who Jesus is from the beginning of time. I thought Jesus' life started, I thought he was born in Bethlehem. He was born in Bethlehem. And he didn't even start at conception. He's always been. Now his physical being started then. He emptied himself. What's that mean? means he was born a baby just like you and I were born a baby. He needs someone to take care of him. Matter of fact, it's kind of gets me sometimes. People say, what about, you know, what about these books that talk about miracles Jesus worked when he was a boy? He didn't work no miracles when he was a boy. First of all, I know the first miracle he worked because the Bible tells me it was the first miracle. When he's in Canaan and he changed the water into wine, if it says it's the first miracle, how many got, did Jesus work before the first one? Now, I'm not the brightest bulb in the pack, but I got that one figured out. So I know there weren't miracles before that. You know why? Because he emptied himself of that miraculous capability. And do you remember that when Jesus was baptized, one of the things that happened, the Holy Spirit descended upon him with power. And then he goes to to Canaan. You know what happens? Miracles start. So you think about that. Here's who he is. So i got to at least mention a couple things here. So Jesus, he goes to the temple with his parents, and he's talking to all the wise men of the religious belief, the scribes, the Pharisees, all of them, and they are astonished, in Luke 2 it tells us, they're astonished, amazed at his understanding. I want you to know something from everything I can read. He wasn't given miraculous understanding. He got the same way you and I get it. He studied. He read and he studied. and Because the miraculous capabilities didn't come till later when he started his ministry. And you know, the Bible says he had to learn obedience. You know, I had to learn obedience. I got beaten off from trying to teach me obedience when I was a kid. But he had to learn things. 
He was just, bing. he didn't have it all from the day he was born. He wasn't a baby that knew everything that ever happened. No, he's a baby. Needed fed, need taken care of. Wow, that's amazing to think about, isn't it? God sent him in a physical body to this earth so that you and I might be able to understand how God would exist here. So you go on and think about this a little bit. Turn with me over to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We'll read just a few verses here. I love this passage. 1 Corinthians 3, uh, 21 through the end of the chapter, 23. So then let no one boast in men, for all belongs to you. What? All belongs to you. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all things belong to you. I'm one wealthy dude. Everything belongs to me. That doesn't mean I can come take your car, does it? That doesn't mean I can just break in your house. That's not what he's meaning. Look what he goes on and says in the next verse. You... Acts 20, 28 says the whole church is, let alone us as individuals. We've been bought and paid for. We owe, we sometimes sing a song, we owe a debt we could not pay, right? But we've been bought and paid for. You belong to Christ, and you know what? Christ belongs to God. Well, if you jump over later, just so you know, kind of hits that again in 1 Corinthians, go to chapter 11 and verse 3. Here it is when he talks about submission or roles of authority, showing us who's in charge, who's at the top. But I want you to understand Christ is the head of every man, and man is the head of woman, and God is the head of Christ. So is it. we got God the Father up here, then we got Jesus, then we've got mankind, right? He's talking, he's going to really deal with the ideas of submission and the man being the leader of the home and all that, but think about all that's here, he says, why does it belong to me? You know, when I was a kid, I might tell one of my buddies, hey, come on over to my house. You know, it really wasn't my house. It was my dad's house. I lived in my dad's house, but I called it my house. I never made one single payment. I never paid anything there. I just went and used their electricity and ate their food, all kinds of things like that. But I called it my house. Why is that? Because it's my father's house. You know, we sing a song sometimes about we've got a mansion just over the hilltop, which is kind of an interesting song. But Jesus would say it like this in the King James, in my father's house there are many mansions. And it really doesn't say that if you really do. He's really saying in my father's house there are many rooms. You're going to move into the father's house. Don't be selfish and think you need your own. You know, the good thing, I'm going to tell you what happened. I grew up in my dad's house, which ended up being my dad and my mom's house. Do you know what? They fed me on a regular basis. I didn't have to cook much food. I get up in the morning, my mom had breakfast ready. And since I had a mom who really liked to bake after the, well, I told you, man, we didn't eat lunch where I grew up. We ate breakfast, dinner, and supper. But always after supper, we had dessert. I never baked one dessert. I just ate it. You know what? When it's cold outside, I walked into a warm house. I never paid any utility bill. Hmm. I got all the benefits, though. You know how it works in the father's house. 
we get the benefits. We've got to make sure we're in the Father's house. So a lot said here. So he is the one who everything that came into being came into being through him. Jesus, everything. He came out of the invisible existence of an eternal divine being of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, God Almighty, into the physical form of a boy, a baby, born Jesus, who becomes a man, who becomes the Lord of all and the Savior of all. Wow. And he couldn't have done that unless he came and existed in the form of a human being for us. So let's go on here a little bit. Go to verse 18. Wow. He is the head of the body. Who is? Jesus is the head of the body. Now let me, we'll look at a couple other passages that will make this plain, maybe even more plain than this passage does, but pretty much got the head and the body thing figured out. So let's say we detach your head from your body. What condition are you now in? Yeah, you're you're double dog dead. Okay, there's no, here's your head and here's your body. Uh, You're not going to recover. The body is useless without the head. And you even think about, I think about friends of mine, Think about one for sure that was in quite an accident, severed the spinal cord about right here. So his head would send information to his body, his legs, and his extremities, but they didn't get the message. So he wasn't able to get up and walk and do things like that. Sometimes that happens with the body of Christ too. They don't get the message, do they? And so then it doesn't function well. Oh, if I had time, we'd go over to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16. If the church is going to grow the way it can grow, then every individual has to do its proper part. I didn't say it couldn't exist and can't function, and can't, but it can't grow the way it would if every... i tell you what I want you to do. We've got lunch going back there, so we get done here. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to eat lunch and don't use your hand. Okay? I want someone get their phone ready because we're going to record this because it's going to be fun. But see, if your hands didn't work, eating's a little more of a struggle, right? I tell you, I hope there's some soup or something back there. I got to watch this. You know, you think, oh, even think what it'd be rest if there was ribs. I mean, you look, things could get difficult. I need my hands to work. Yeah, I'm going to use my teeth and all that, but I need my See, you can do it because there's people that eat without hands, right? They function. They figured out how to do it. We've got to understand his part. We've got to understand who he is. He is the head of the body. What's the body? He tells us in the passage, doesn't he? The head of the body. Who's the head of the church? Well, you know, years ago, when I lived over there on the edge of Creve Corps, my neighbor lived right across the street from me. Him and his wife were Catholic, and I don't remember what year it was, and the Pope came to St. Louis. And I listened about the Pope coming to St. Louis, and I heard the news, Channel 2, Channel 4, Channel 5. I listened to them all lie to everybody because they told them the head of the church is coming to town. You bunch of liars. That guy is not the head of the church because if he is, the Bible's a lie. He is the head of the church. The body, the church. Is that singular? Oh, if we had time, we'd go to Matthew chapter 18. 
Yeah, he built his church. He gets to do it his way. He gets to have the authority. So not only did he speak everything into existence in creation, he says, let me make sure you understand something. He's the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead. Well, wait a minute, Lazarus... Mary and Martha's brother was raised from the dead before Jesus. What happened to him later? He died again to be buried. How about that work with Jesus? Well, when Peter preaches the first gospel sermon, he says David wasn't talking about himself because we can still go to his grave. If you go to the grave of Jesus Christ, there's nobody there. He was raised from the grave to ascend into heaven to never be... His physical body was changed to be in an eternal form and it's always going to be there. Wow, he's seated at the right hand of God. So we look and it says he's the head of the body. He's the firstborn from the dead. He himself will come to have first place in everything. I want you to think about that. When I was a kid, when I'd read that, that'd be nice. You run a race, your first place. You do a spelling bee, you're first place. It's a lunch line, you're in first place. First place, I like first place. First place. Who's got first place in everything? Jesus Christ. Now, he's not worrying about running races. He's not worrying about being first in the potluck line. But in anything, it's important. He's, he's first guy. He's in first place. So let's look at a few passages. When we think about this idea of him being the head of the body of the church, I have to go to Ephesians, don't I? Well, I don't have to, but I'm going to. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. And he, God, put all things in subjection under his, Jesus' feet, and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. So he says at this time, the Holy Spirit inspires Paul to write it in reverse. This time he says, the church which is the body. And before he said, the body which is the church, So if I was to say I'm a member of the body of Christ or I was to say I'm a member of the church of Christ, I just said the same thing, didn't I? Those words are used interchangeably. You think about that a little bit. So if I tell you that Tammy's my wife and I tell you Tammy's my bride, that's the same thing, right? Okay, you look at that. So body and church, in the book of Ephesians, this is huge. We don't have time to back it all up. But he's going to use that word so interchangeably, it's amazing. But he's the head. Well, here's what I know about him being the head. It's his church. It's his house. It's him. You know, if you come to 1940 Las Brisas Lane in Pacific Avenue, Tammy and I live there. You come in there, that's our house. You know who makes the rules at our house? Tammy does. No, we, we make the rules. You come in there and say, it's hot in here. Stand outside, it's hotter out there. But anyway, you know, whatever it is. Here, it isn't just up to me to go change that thermostat where because it's not mine. I know Christ isn't going to set that, but some of you are cold right now, and some of you are hot, and my head's sweating, so I guess I'm on the hot side. Hmm. But when it comes to the church, which is the kingdom of God, which is not physical, it's eternal. Jesus makes all the rules, and you got to come in line. You know, my dad was like that. My dad might say, hey, be home. Let's say he said, school night, be home 10 o'clock. You know that wasn't up for discussion. 
And if you had a brain in your head, I learned this from older brothers, you didn't bring it up for discussion because 10 became 9, and if it discussed, it became 8. In a little while, you're not going anywhere. Because you're not going to question me, boy, because I got all, when it comes in this house, I got all authority. Why do we think we can question God and question Christ? He has all authority. Do I always understand the rules? No, but I know I'm supposed to obey them, whether I understand them or not. Wow. Let's look at two more passages. I'm running out of time. We'll go to one more passage. I'll skip one of them. Go to uh, 1 Peter 3. I like this one a lot. 1 Peter 3. I'm going to pick up at verse 21. For you have been called for this purpose. I wish I had time to preach on that. Since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. Listen to this. Who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. That's him. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to the one who judges righteously. Listen. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Why did he die on the cross? So you'd quit sinning and start doing what's right. Isn't that what I just said? You're going to be a Christian. You've got to act like a Christian. That means you've got to quit doing what's sinful and start doing... Well, that's what he says. Die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. I got this finger I messed up a long time ago and I hung the side of it a while ago. You know, for a while, I remember it was better looking than anybody else's. It got him painted beautifully in glass. Well, I finally caught that thing at Brands and ripped it off. Well, then it hurt. So then, well, you know, wouldn't that be nice if Harold Vernon, all I got to do is go smash his finger and my finger's better. He just healed my finger. Vernon's finger better watch out then. Let me tell you what, Christ went to the cross and paid for my sins so I don't have to. By his sin, by his wounds, I'm healed. Boy, we wish we had time to go to Isaiah 53. For you, here, here, here we are. Here's us. For you were continually strained strain like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your soul. I want you to think about sheep for just a minute since we're going to end right there. Sheep, they're a fierce animal, right? I mean, every time you see a sheep, you run because you're scared. You know? How about if we had a lion in the room? I'm getting out of here. A friend of mine just shot a really nice bear on Prince Wells Island yesterday. Prince Wells Island, Alaska. If you get in a surrounding of a big bear, you want to get out of the way? But sheep don't scare you much, do they? They don't have sharp teeth or claws, and they're not very vicious. Matter of fact, they're just about as vulnerable as they get. And they're not very bright. I mean, I still know, talking to guys who have sheep, a lot of times they keep a goat in the pasture with the sheep. You know why? Because you can call the goat and it'll come to you. The sheep are too dumb to come to you, but they'll follow the goat. But I still thought it was funny when he told me that sheep, what's that? why is that sheep out there by itself? It's got its head through the fence and it's too dumb to know it can back up. I'm going to have to go out there and pull it out of the fence, then it'll come to the barn. Well, I'm really glad God chose to call me a sheep. But see how much I, so we're like that. We're just scattered. So we got to have someone keep us together. This is what keeps us together, God's word. The message that Jesus gave us in John 12, verse 48, he says these words that he spoke is what's going to judge us. 
Christ is awesome. He's over the top. He is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. He's the one and only Savior of mankind. And when you think about Jesus, I don't know of any word you can't say Jesus Christ, the Lord. You start talking about him, you bring a smile to my face. Now, you can use his name in vain. I don't have no smile on my face. But Jesus, Jesus Christ. I remember speaking a lectureship years ago in Anchorage, Alaska. Spoke from Romans 14, and the title I gave Romans 14, the problem with the church today, we don't have enough Jesus. you're here today and you're not in Christ because you've not yet confessed your faith in him and repented and been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins don't leave here today unless you do that if you're a Christian and you've been one of those sheep that strayed away again he wants you back he longs for you to come he came left heaven to make sure you could get to heaven if we can help you in any way today in your relationship with the Lord Please come as we stand and sing.